0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1125, air date October 8, 2022. Good morning, everyone. It is uh, almost uh, quarter of nine here, EST time. I wanted to do a a quick live today, um, very brief one. um, And I wanted to update people on the three prongs of Putin and uh, Russia's response to US and NATO and Ukraine, and really talking about where does it end. The reason I wanted to do this is the, unfortunately, the media is not really giving any of this the do attention it deserves in terms of real analysis. And um, as many of you know, we take a systems approach to everything we do. As the graphic here says, it says a systems analysis approach. And we want to really at least keep educating people on what are the uh, elements that are going on. As the title says here, uh, we want to look at the three prongs of Putin and Russia's response to US, NATO, and Ukraine. As many of you know, the on the, uh, here, we've been discussing over the last almost year now, what's really going on in uh, Ukraine. And just very briefly, you can go look at the other videos. But in summary, if you go back to 1991, when the Soviet Union um, uh, essentially broke apart, 1991-1992, um, NATO, um, by the way, which was created after World War II, to really... Um, be a Western force alliance against Soviet Union. So that's the origins of NATO. After the end of World War II, NATO was created by the Western powers to really be a force to contain Russia. And so that needs to be understood. So now you move forward about 50 years later, 1990s, early 1990s when the Soviet Union breaks up, there was um, a decision made as a part of that breakup or an agreement between Gorbachev and Bush, that NATO would not move one inch to the east of Germany. A sort of reassurances for this "quote-unquote" peaceful coexistence between the Soviet Union, uh, former Soviet Union, and uh, U.S. dash NATO. However, the United States, um, very strategically. Um, started surrounding Russia with more and more NATO countries. More and more countries were allowed into NATO. In fact, lately, Finland and Sweden um, have been urged to come in. All right. Even though 80,000 petitioners in Finland have said they don't want to be part of NATO. All right. None of that comes out in the media. So the most important thing that took place recently, as we know, um, in the past 12 months was The Ukrainian war took place as a result of Ukraine also thinking of going into NATO. And so what was the response of Vladimir Putin and Russia? Well, Putin has sort of a a very large cultural view of all of this. Um, He's not a dumb guy. He's actually pretty well read, probably more well read than the more recent Russian or U.S. presidents. And his view is that this is truly an incursion on Russia. Imagine if the United States, imagine if Mexico decided it was going to take back Texas, right? Or if it was going to, Texas was going to, you know, no longer be a part of the United States. This would have serious issues for the U.S. And I don't think we would tolerate it. And that's the way he sees Ukraine. Ukraine is sort of historically in his view as part of Russia, um, and what what really ticked off Putin and all of this was the following: that in 2013 and 14, the Obama administration, uh, right after the Bush 2014, starting with the Obama administration, right, the the big thesis here was that um, it was very very important. For the united states to have monopoly dominion over u.s and oil uh, uh, gas dependency of europe to u.s russia was essentially making europe dependent on u.s oil and gas i'm sorry oil and gas so russia was making um europe dependent on its oil and gas and this was seen as a threat by um us-nato So in 2014, it was the U.S. by all accounts, a woman called Newland, U.S. uh, in the Department of State, executed a coup in Ukraine. There was a pro-Russian president and the United States installed one of its presidents. It was an actual coup. I mean, by all means, you have to be stupid to realize it was not a coup. That's what took place. And the person that was put in place was an ultra-right conservative, who was very pro-Nazi, neo-Nazi, and this really pissed off the people in the eastern part of Ukraine, in the four provinces of Donetsk, Luhansk, Kherson, and I Never know how to pronounce that properly. Sorry for those people from that region. And those four pe- those four regions were upset because the people in those regions. Fathers and grandfathers that fought the Nazis. So this was essentially, the United States has in, installed a neo-Nazi regime in Ukraine. That resulted in the current conflict over the last eight years and culminating where we are today. All right. So that's the background. And everyone should understand that. This was, uh, this is not some crazy guy just wanting to go and uh, attack Ukraine. And if we think Putin is crazy, we're going to underestimate or not really be fully aware of what. Could happen for the whole world. Okay, so it's important for not Russia or U.S., but it's really for the world citizens to understand what's going on. So that's a background. Now, what's also important to understand is that um, the U.S. and NATO are really one. You know, NATO really is the United States, and for a long period in history when you look back and you recognize that it was the Russian people, just factually, who were the ones who stopped Hitler. It was the Russian people who lost most lives in World War II. It was the Russian people who really should be congratulated for winning World War II. It's a fact. Um, and so when you have neo-Nazis on the doorsteps of Russia, you can imagine what this would do to Russian sentiment. And, and I think everyone in the world should become very sensitive to this. So, what is Putin and Russia's response? As the title of today's talk says, what is the actual response? What are the three prongs? Well, first of all, um, if the United States and the UN had really pushed the Minsk II agreement, we wouldn't have never entered this war. And many experts on this for years have been, had been saying this. The Minsk II agreement basically said look, let's take Ukraine, the ethnic Russians in that region, in those four provinces. And let's just make it a state like California and give those people their own state. It's still part of Ukraine. They still feel like they have some autonomy and Russia would not go into those areas. And Russia was actually willing to sign the Minsk II agreement. But the United States and the U.N. really pushed it. And, and you have to understand why, because um, when you look at those U.S. oil and gas interests, a lot of those oil fields And those are in that eastern province. Okay, so U.S. doesn't really, uh, the U.S. oil and gas interests really don't want to give those provinces um, real autonomy. They want to still use Ukraine as a proxy to dominate in those areas. And in fact, that's what they did in 2014. Exxon and Mobil tried to set up fields in Crimea, uh, Shell in Donetsk, and in fact, Chevron in Ukraine. And all of those failed because Putin was able to see what was going on. So the big failure. But what is Putin's three prongs? Well, first prong was it wasn't really his prong, even the Western media tries to say this. It was a people in those regions had a vote recently on September twenty-seventh, which had ended twenty twenty two, and the and the and the Russians in those regions, or the Ukrainian Russians, however you want to do it, in those regions, decided they wanted to become their own republic. And after they become their own republic, day before, uh, Russia formally accepted them into Russia. So those four regions are, from Russia's standpoint, Russian territory. That's the first um, response that Putin and Russia did, except those four regions, which were under attack for the last eight years, into Russia. First prong of Putin's uh, response, Russia's response. The second response was that Putin made it very, very clear in a speech, I believe on September 28th or 27th, um, where he said that this is not a bluff, that if any incursion takes place into those four regions, he will use nuclear weapons. Um, And this is a serious threat. And he said, this is not a threat, and this this is not a bluff, he said. Okay, so it's a threat, but it's not a bluff. So that's a second, Part of Putin's response. the so first was accepting those four regions to become part of Russia and saying we will protect them and the third part of the second part of the response was um, uh, the threat of nuclear weapons to Western imperialism okay The third part was Putin went and um, brought up civilian Russians 200,000 reserves to join the Russian army and the goal of that response is to make a massive conventional push to protect those four regions and likely into Kiev the capital. So those are the three responses. Again, let me review. First is bringing those four regions into Russia, formally that's done. Second response was saying if you screw with us in those regions to US and NATO, we will uh, we will use tactical nuclear weapons. And the third is beefing up the conventional uh, force in Ukraine from, you know, a small military operation now two hundred thousand reservists, and the thesis is that you essentially overwhelm the Ukrainian army backed by U.S. and NATO, and you take over Kiev, the capital, and you protect those three regions. So those are the response. That Putin has done now. What is this? The second part of the talk here was, what does this mean to all of us? Where does this all end? Well, uh, it can end in a couple of different ways, and everyone should think about this. Um, Putin has, I, I, in my opinion, Putin is a, a little bit different than Kim Jong Un, who just makes nuclear threats all day. And obviously, a, a nuclear threat is a powerful weapon to have. Threat in and of itself, but. One uh, possibility is that Newton's conventional forces, um, the three hundred thousand, uh, uh, do not um, uh, do not succeed in in um, in Ukraine. So. They're not able to succeed. He has problems with his own forces. And then at that point, Putin is backed into a corner and he may use nuclear weapons. The other possibility that people have talked about is within Russia, there could be an overthrow of Putin that could also take place. Right. And we've seen that occur in other countries. So one is uh, Putin feels he's pushed to a wall. He does unleash nuclear weapons. Because his conventional forces are not able to achieve their objectives in terms of protecting those eastern provinces as well as taking over Kiev. And then you have a nuclear response. The other uh, opportunity or possibility is that perhaps the elites within Russia do not support Putin and they see this as not worth it. And there's some internal coup supported by CIA and MI6, NATO people within Russia. So that's the second way this ends. And you have Russia being taken over from within some people favorable to U.S. and NATO. It's a possibility. The third piece some people have talked about um, is that there may be, and this is out there, that uh, U.S., NATO, Ukraine may do some dirty bomb. A dirty bomb is essentially, a, you know, a conventional explosive device with uh, that spreads radiation and it's a false flag that's then used to point the fingers at Russia that they did it and then um, US, NATO, Ukraine preemptively launch a nuclear attack into Russia. There could be other possibilities but let's not forget there's only one country in the world that ever dropped not one but two nuclear weapons um, on another country. Uh, and that was the United States. And many historians will argue that, that there was no need to drop those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They were done essentially to threaten and keep Russia in line that the United States had nukes. Uh, so let me be clear. Um, when you look at this situation with US, NATO and Putin, You have to really think about it as thugs who want monopoly control. So, think about a neighborhood, a 100 acre neighborhood, and one thug owns 95%, 95 acres in that neighborhood, US NATO. And let's say Putin owns five acres, he's a smaller thug. And Putin wants to sell his goods and services into that 100 acre neighborhood. And the thug, the US NATO, which owns has monopolized 95% doesn't like that. That's what this is really all about. It's not about Putin being good or bad or the United States being good or bad. It's essentially imperial interests. Lots of money is involved here. And everyday working people in a shootout in that neighborhood, we are the ones who get knocked out. Not any of these people. Putin will have bunkers. Joe Biden will have bunkers. It's not really going to affect any one of us. I mean, all of us are the ones who are going to be affected by this. So I think the important thing to recognize is that madmen are really running the world and they do not have the interests of working people. And so it's extremely important that all of us recognize and take a historical approach and really spend a little bit of time beyond the mainstream media and start looking at the historical forces. That's why I've done these videos. I try to, uh, in the morning, try to do the political videos. In the evening, we have our health videos. And as many of you know, our intent in all of this is to encourage all of you to take a systems approach. And um, please go to vashiva.com and you can see all the different tools and solutions we have. But I also encourage you to go to truthfreedomhealth.com and you can contribute to all the work that we're doing globally. We now have a global movement of over 360,000 people who have awakened to recognize that you can't take a left-wing or right-wing approach. You can't be pro or anti. People have actually got to get educated or be enslaved. And the truth, freedom, and health system that we've created allows any individual to really learn the science of systems. Those in power learn the science of systems. And using the science of systems, they can subjugate, manipulate, and enslave people. But if you learn the science of systems, just like a surgeon wielding a knife, as I've said over and over, can save life or a criminal can kill it. If you learn the science of systems, you can really understand the interconnection in a very profound way between truth, freedom, and health, that fighting for freedom, you know, focusing on real science is what leads to health, and we improve our health is how we have the wherewithal to fight for truth and freedom. And the the platform that we've created for all of you it's all online. You can learn the science of systems. You can get access to all the books and papers to learn the science of systems. You, there's also a tool that you can improve your own health by understanding how your body is actually a system. That's also included. And then we've included many, many research tools to understand how food is a system. We offer lectures, as you can see, that's in this diagram here, lectures and um tools that you can teach others, the science of systems. There's an entire community now, and we have many, many tools independent of big tech for you to communicate. So truth, freedom, and health is really the solution. So while I will speak about the problems of the world and do the systems analysis, but the reality is we don't have to be desperate. We don't have to get divided into left or right, nor do we have to get complacent. We can actually organize bottoms up independent of all of this nonsense and awaken ourselves to recognize that we all need to have some self-respect, have some accountability, and it is we people who actually understand how systems work independent of left and right that are actually going to have a positive effect. So anyway, in closing, I hope people, all of you contribute to the Truth From Health movement, take the course and understand all the different ways. And by the way, every Thursday is at 11 a.m., E- EST or 8 PM EST, you can join me in an open house. You get to meet lots and lots of people all over the world. It's free. Go to vashiva.com slash orientation and don't forget to go to truthforhumanhealth.com and contribute to your own education. All right, everyone. I hope this is valuable. Let me um, also let me let all of you know. You know, we I'll be doing a health video uh, later this afternoon. You all know that we also take a systems approach to understanding the body as a system cytosol is one of the systems tools that we've created that will allow all of you to understand how the body is a system at the molecular level and i have to play a quick video because a number of you have said i haven't played this video uh, um, but it's uh, it'll really tell you that you can apply the systems approach at the societal level at the physical level at the molecular level and using that not only can we understand what the truth is but we can also develop solutions so the cytosoft systems approach was very
1: millions up- of people suffer every day from pain. Uh,
0: a solution for uh pain and inflammation it's it's one of our latest products but it's a bottoms-up solution that really understood by interconnecting the parts so i'm going to play the mb 25 video and i look forward to seeing you but We're going to be doing a video explaining the discovery of MV25 this week.
1: Millions of people suffer every day from painful discomfort and swelling, but most pain medications come with harsh side effects, and many alternative supplements have little scientific backing. That's why we at Cytosolve created MV25. MV25 was formulated using the Cytosolve Computational Systems Biology Platform, a technology for precision and personalized health, invented by Dr. Shiva during his doctoral research at MIT. This formulation is the result of computing trillions of potential combinations of biomolecular interactions derived from thousands of peer-reviewed scientific papers published across four decades by 68 research institutions to discover an optimal synergy of compounds that downregulate biomarkers of discomfort and normal swelling. Hi, I'm Barbara Ann. My hands would cramp up. So that I couldn't hold cards or knit or crochet.
0: And they would go like that. Not have to use this when I played cards with my grandkids. And I'd start taking that MV25.
1: After a bit, I was able to hold cards in my hand. Very, very little cramping, hardly at all anymore. MV25. Hi, my name is Sandy. I'm a Taekwondo instructor.
0: I tore my ACL during Taekwondo. I had a lot of pain and limited mobility. I've been taking the MV25 for about six months now. After the first week, I noticed a big difference. After the second week, almost literally no pain.
1: My name is Jeremy and I suffer from a lower back problem. Hurt my back at work years ago and I can go to the chiropractor do all kinds of different things and nothing seems to help and I decided to try MV25 I didn't notice a difference immediately but within a few days the pain went away and it stayed away I've continued to take it and even when I do things that I shouldn't do it seems to go away a lot quicker than it ever did before MV25 is certified clean 100% non-GMO made in America and GMP certified for good manufacturing practices mv MV25 is cytosol optimized, which means that this formula has been engineered to maximize benefits while minimizing toxicity based on current research curated by cytosol. As the science advances, so will this formulation. This is our promise. Order online at mv25.life. Consult your doctor before taking any supplement or medication and users direct directed. mv25.
0: All right, everyone. Just remember, uh, join us at our orientation. We do them every Thursdays, but join us this Thursday at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. EDT, and we welcome everyone. Um, Please join us. Um, We want to have an open discussion, but we will talk about the Truth, Freedom, and Health movement and the fact that we need to uh, educate more and more people to think beyond left and right and uh, really look at history in this larger context and not look at components of it. So anyway... Be well, everyone. Have a good uh, morning and a good weekend, wherever you are. Thank you.